You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, Randall and I are pondering our New Year's Eve celebrations, of which for the Steinberg family, there wasn't much of anything. We just had dinner and went to sleep. What about you, Randall? Oh, yeah, pretty much the, well, actually not the usual here. Uh, My girlfriend had her brother flying in uh, to Calgary and his arrival was late. So we ended up uh, doing an airport pickup around the time (laughs) that we had planned on being down at Olympic Plaza for the celebrations. So, but all in all, I'm really looking forward to 2020. For some reason, I think it's going to be a good year. Recently, we had our other guest, Stephen Bassett, on who, well, he's been talking about disclosure forever, but uh, he's pretty confident that uh, we might actually see it happen this year. What do you think, Jerome? Well, he's talking to Jerome Clark, who's our guest, at least for the first hour of the PowerCast. I gather you're probably skeptical of all this, right? I am pessimistic about 2020 for many reasons that don't need to concern us on this show. But um, I do think this, if we want to just focus on UFOs, you know, I think that the whole story is kind of spinning out in a way that when you look at it, isn't that surprising. And I think that we've seen in the last year or two or three, uh, you know, a kind of remarkable turnaround in, you know, elite attitudes about UFO reports. And it's marginally easier to say, you know, there might be something there. And in fact, I was just reading Billy Cox's column earlier today, and he makes something at the same point. One thing that we can sort of factor into this is just the persistence of sightings no matter what in the face of ridicule and skepticism and dismissal and all kinds of other things sightings have persisted and they become no less plausible and no less puzzling and so all the predictions that debunkers made this was a fad that would fade away and that as we grew more sophisticated about investigating and analyzing sightings we would be explaining more of them. Well, it hasn't worked out that way. Maybe 2020 will be an interesting year in terms of developments of that kind. You're repeating the phrase, nevertheless, we persisted. The one thing I see here was Stephen Bassett. I thought he was just like a carnival barker, but he doesn't seem to have any real money-making source for what he does. Would you regard him maybe, Jerry, as a true believer, wrong or right? Well, I don't know the guy. I just read about him from time to time. So I think our impressions, yours and mine, are much the same. I'd like to think that something is happening, that there will be something. But you and I, Jerry, have been around this for many, many, many decades. and (laughs) Many failed prophecies. Many failed prophecies. And as of now, okay, where is it? Nothing seems to be happening. Well, what do you mean nothing seems to be happening? We have more serious treatment, certainly in the press. And uh, there was a tweet from Leslie Kane that she passed online that among, I guess, the last year, the 10th most popular story 
was one of the things she had written with others on UFOs. So there is interest out there. Yes. What would you consider to be adequate disclosure? Uh, I mean, in other words, there's some people who say, well, we've had an admission that the armed forces take it seriously now. So, I mean, is that good enough or do we really need more? I don't think about disclosure as somebody in a uniform or, you know, some position of authority standing in front of a microphone and laying it all out for us. I don't think that any more than we do. What they probably have are a number of interesting, you know, instrumented sightings that would that would be impressive to hear about. But I'm not really thinking about this as a top-down sort of deal in particular. I just think that a willingness to acknowledge that we're dealing with a a puzzling and unexplained and even unknown phenomenon. And that that will open up investigation by, you know, credentialed people who want to look at UFO sightings, like investigative journalists, research scientists, engineers. And I think that, that just the willingness to acknowledge the presence of an unknown phenomenon will make the kind of research that we haven't been able to entertain possible. I think that at least some of the UFO phenomenon is potentially explainable. I don't mean explainable in in prosaic terms, but I mean understandable, um, something that we can add to human knowledge. If people qualified to do these investigations were free to do them, and it was okay for institutions to give funding for to scientists who want to study these things. And I don't think that we're, we're going to have a big bang and then we'll know everything. But the usual process of knowledge will be, the processes of knowledge will, will be allowed to, to play out. I think if we put science to this, you know, we're going to understand at least part of it. Some of it is scientifically investigatable, particularly when you've got radar visual cases, you've got physical evidence, you know, in, in CE2s, that kind of evidence, that you could actually, you know, put to hand, put, put into a laboratory. I think that itself would answer at least some of the questions. I, I think that those are the kinds of things that we have to hope will be possible if these positive developments continue. Well, just reading about the current research and the Navy and its admission of interested, you kind of think, what happened for the past 70 years? It's as if Project Blue Book never existed. Well, I think when Project Blue Book existed, it was as if Project Blue Book never existed. In other I mean, words, I have, it, it, I have been ahead. working on a project that has me dealing with a lot of the early official history of UFOs. So I'm going back into the Project Sign, Project Grudge, Project Book, and I'm just seeing the completely hopeless mess these guys, many of them, there are a few honorable names, but most of them just didn't deal with it, even if they were tasked to deal with it. The, the politics were wrong. Everybody was running away from it or throwing lousy explanations at good cases. 
you know, I think the the real uh, history of UFO research is is the occasional functioning government project, not necessarily in the United States, but in France and some in South America, places like that. And I also, I think civilian ufologists, the best of them, have done a very good job of investigating the phenomenon, defining its parameters, trying to make sense of it, offering, you know, along with a lot of crazy ideas from here and there, some lucid and reasonable hypotheses about the nature of the phenomenon. I think that the history up till now has been mostly scattered international government projects and the best civilian ufologists. Otherwise, we wouldn't know anything. Now, I want to get into this in the next segment, which is, of course, we think of UFO research as a very American-centric pursuit, possibly the UK. And we're going to wonder, what about other countries? And if we're expecting disclosure, why assume the Americans are going to get there first? Obviously, there are reasons for certain other countries to want to get in on the act. UFO historian, longtime researcher Jerome Clark is with us now. A little bit later, Chris Rudkowski will join us with Gene Randall. You're in the Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Warning, don't let your business get left behind in what is likely to be the biggest economic boom in recent history. If you need to build for your business to grow, call General Steel today for a pre-engineered steel building designed for your needs. No wasted space. Steel prices are expected to rise, but you can still lock in your price on a General Steel building. And you can still save as much as half the cost and time of conventional construction. As much as half. But you must call now. If you need a church building, office, warehouse, manufacturing, space, retail space, or more. Call General Steel today. You can still get the General's 50-year structural warranty and General Steel quality, all at a price you can afford. So don't let rising steel prices put your project out of reach and stop you from making your company great. 800-965-1295. 800-965-1295. That's 800-965-1295. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. 
Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. I'm here with Scott Uceum, founder of OMG Tax. Tell us how your company helps our listeners out there who have a problem with the IRS. My team of lawyers, enrolled agents, and licensed tax experts remove wage garnishments sometimes in the same day. We even have reduced the total debt some of our clients were required to pay through what is known as an offer in compromise. Can you give us an example of somebody you help? Oh, can I ever. We have taken a $500,000 liability with the IRS Guess what? The client didn't pay a dime through the representation known as non-collectible status with the government. If you owe the IRS more than $10,000 and you want to see if it's possible to pay a lot less, call OMG Tax right now for a free tax-saving consultation. Call 800-486-8112. That's 800-486-8112. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full-body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Jerry Clark with us, and I was raising an issue right towards the end of our last segment about research, ongoing research around the world. We certainly had a gentleman from Brazil talking about the interest in the subject there. We know about America, the UK. I'm thinking here, if Vladimir Putin had anything to gain by being the first to disclose something, wouldn't that happen? Well, not necessarily, because the the political consequences of disclosure are, are really unpredictable, and particularly when you're dealing with a, you know, a kind of thuggish dictator like Putin. He has his country under tight control, and you throw extraterrestrial intelligence or whatever UFOs are about into the mix, you don't know where it's going to go. Particularly if you're interested in, as I say, just keeping your society under thumb. You know, all kinds of political and social consequences that that somebody, particularly somebody who's trying to maintain control, well, you have to think about. And I don't, by the way, I don't believe, I mean, I know you're speaking hypothetically, but there's no particular reason why Putin or anybody else would have the answers. Now, I do know, because he told us, Stephen Bassett was in Russia, was interviewed by the Russian press, and they took him seriously. And that wouldn't happen unless the powers that be said it was okay. I, I, don't, I don't know what to say about that. I don't see the significance of that that you see. And there, there is something of a, there is a little bit of a free press left in Russia. 
And it could be also that Putin just doesn't take the subject seriously enough to think that it matters and he doesn't have to have his censors working on the case. You know, there are all kinds of explanations for the Russian press, or at least one segment of it, the segment of it that Bassett talked with, you know, took him seriously or pretended to take him seriously. I don't put much significance in that factoid by itself. So basically, he would, in those circumstances, say, well, it's not a threat. I don't care what they do. Let this crazy guy talk about UFOs if he wants. He may even have some private interest. Who knows? I mean, there are all kinds of people we run into in life who are, you know, people in power or position or some kind of elite occupation who, if you indicate a willingness to listen to them, will talk to you about their UFO beliefs or their UFO experiences. You know, there are all kinds of people. It's just kind of like a subterranean stream that uh, isn't visible to most of us until we step in it. Is there anything that we should take seriously, in your opinion? What, what, what direction do you think we should be looking or going if we're going to make any progress? Well, I've maintained for a long time that science should investigate and analyze and do science on what it can do. And that's the cases that, that suggest, you know, a physical phenomenon, a technological phenomenon, a phenomenon that causes you know, biological effects, effects on, on machines and engines. These things are investigatable. It's not that you can't get answers, you can't get science out of those things. You just have to have the will and the support. Now, there are all kinds of other aspects of this, as we well know, that are deeply strange and probably not only beyond current knowledge, but beyond current imagined knowledge. But not all of it is. There are, there are manifestations of the phenomenon that, that we could get a handle on and that we could get, you know, answers from. Well, I, I suspect that the UFO phenomenon, as I've said before, is probably several different things. But that we know part of it is a radar visual ground trace phenomenon. Those things, I, you know, you can learn from those cases if you have the resources and you need money, you need support. You need to be able to operate without, you know, being ridiculed or putting yourself out on some kind of fringe where, you know, your colleagues take you seriously when you come out of the laboratory say, we have found this about this strange material and and be believed and credited. That's how progress is going to happen. You mentioned several different things. Obviously, we're talking about physical phenomena can be seen, can be captured on radar. There's trace evidence. What other things? Or is it possible we're dealing with more than one phenomenon? I think we're dealing with different phenomena. The phenomenon that I'm talking about, I call the core phenomenon, which is the thing that probably got all of us interested in this subject to start with. You know, pilot tries to intercept a, a disc, the disc streaks away some unheard of speed does this or that. I think that the when you get into the real high stranger stuff, which began dominating ufology probably in the mid-1960s through the influence of John Keel and Jacques Vallée, then you may be entering a, a whole other territory that's mo- mostly that's more related to 
less related to technology, more related to, you know, visionary phenomena, supernatural beliefs, you know, extraordinary experiences that have no technological component that are inherently unprovable, are experienceable, but not much there. There's not much there beyond the experience level. Now, at the experience level, of course, it's deeply strange and it's not conventionally explainable. But the way we experience it is through through experience and not through events that leave evidence that something happened in the world. The other phenomena leave evidence that something happened in your imagination or your consciousness that took a particular form that's not explainable psychologically or through uh, you know mental abnormality was very real to you. But it doesn't seem to be part of this world, and there doesn't seem to be any way to get a handle on it. Well, that takes us away from collective unconscious, then. Well, prove to me the collective unconscious exists. <laughs> then we can talk. I think there's a lot of skeptical writing on the collective unconscious, which, as Richard Knoll, who's a famous biographer of Carl Jung, said, the collective unconscious existed in Carl Jung's library in Zurich. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I can see it being interesting as an, as an idea that there are common, what he called archetypes, that exist out there that cross different cultures. But the idea that, say, we're all somehow connected by those in some telepathic manner, I think that that's getting out on the fringe. But when we get talking about, well, like Stanton Friedman would say, flying saucers, we're not talking about simply unidentified mysterious objects in the sky. Uh, and you were talking about going back to the early days, even before they became a subject of ridicule. Uh, we had people, or at least you guys down there did, who believed that they were and are physical, real objects, material objects. So they're talking about metallic craft. And I completely agree with you that that is where the core of the phenomena is. we got more to come with Randall, Gene, Jerry. Chris is joining us later. Chris Rutkowski, you're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you feel like many of us? All the distractions in the world taking our minds and focus off what really needs to get done day to day? Well, Jeunesse has a dietary supplement called Mind to help with mental distraction and it supports memory function. Go to GCNlife.com now to check it out. You're only at your best when your mind is at its best. Go to GCNlife.com or call toll-free 844-443-6637. That's GCNlife.com or 844-443-6637. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. 
Iran's ambassador is urging the UN Security Council to condemn what he calls a criminal act of state terrorism by the U.S., referring to the airstrike that killed General Qasem Soleimani. President Trump said it had to be done. Soleimani was plotting imminent and sinister attacks on American diplomats and military personnel, but we caught him in the act and terminated him. But Democrats like Virginia Senator Mark Warner say they're worried about the aftermath. Soleimani was no friend of America, but thinking through the ramifications of what this will do to our position in the region, what this will do to our allies in the region, what this will do to American military and other personnel. Security experts say that Iran's retaliation could include cyber attacks. This is USA Radio News. So here's the choice. Some people say the USA is finished. It's evil, a has-been, full of hate and injustice. The U.S. Constitution should be trashed and the Bill of Rights abolished. No free speech, no gun ownership, competition and free markets are bad. We're all too stupid. For our own good, the government must own everything and know all your secrets. Other people say that America has created the freest, richest, happiest, most generous society that has ever existed in the world. That's why millions of people are desperate to come here and escape their brutal lives in Cuba, Venezuela, North Korea, and 100 other countries. In America, we have the right to succeed, the right to our own living, the right to have a family, the right to believe in God, the right to have our own ideas, the right to be safe and secure, and the right to be left alone. Where do you stand? Help us save the Constitution and restore the American dream. Go to SaveMyFreedom.com. Brought to you by the American Media Council. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more. And this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. So, Randall, why don't you continue with that discussion, and we'll get Jerry's reaction. Go ahead. What we've seen since then is this shift towards what they're calling, you know, just the phenomena, as opposed to something real and metallic in a craft. There are people now that don't even want to refer to them as UFOs or the subject as ufology but anomalous aerospace phenomena and i'm just wondering if that's not really moving us further away or closer to any of the answers oh i think that sort of thing is completely meaningless and the the genesis of that is is an understandable desire not to be ridiculed but being associated with UFOs. So if you rename them, you think that people aren't going to be able to figure out that you're actually talking about UFOs. 
I mean, it's it's just a futile exercise and gets us nowhere. You know, starting to refer to UFOs as UFOs instead of flying saucers didn't help much either. I think that we just have to accept that, you know, there are extraordinary experiences, and one subgroup of extraordinary experiences is UFO sightings. And I think that UFO sightings are, as I say, more than one thing. One of the things is what I've referred to in you too as, as a core phenomenon of things that, let's just say broadly, are compatible with the extraterrestrial hypothesis. I'm not for or against extraterrestrial hypothesis. I just think that it's a reasonable interpretation, right or wrong. It's certainly the most immediately obvious interpretation because you have your evidence of somebody's technology that isn't our technology, that is way beyond our technology. So if you don't think about extraterrestrials, your interpretations become even more even more speculative. But I think that there's no reason not to refer to things that show up on radar and leave physical traces and EM effects as, as UFOs or potential extraterrestrial spacecraft. What do you think about the use of UAP? Is that kind of equivalent to what we (laughs) did when a flying saucer became a UFO? I I just hate UAP. In fact, I was talking with a relative of mine recently, a very bright guy, not interested in the subject particularly, not even particularly sympathetic to it, but we were talking and we were talking about this TikTok sighting. Right, the Nimitz, the Nimitz uh, affair? Right. Right, okay. So my cousin said, well, that wasn't a UFO, that was a UAP. Oh, man. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, it's, it's just ridiculous that, that, that I had to explain to him why anybody even uses the term UAP, that it's exactly the same as a UFO. Just, just an attempted rhetorical sleight of hand. Yeah, pretty much. I would have to completely agree with that. And and for a while there, all the, the UAP people were kind of throwing the UFO people under the bus, like as if we were the tinfoil hat wearing uh, believers. Right. But they worked that way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what do you think about conferences? Do you think that there that there's still a place for them uh, in ufology? For what conferences? Oh, UFO paranoia, paranormal and alien-themed oh. conferences. I was at one, I think I was at one or two in, in this century. <laughs> one was uh, at Fortean Conference in uh, Baltimore. Would have been two, two and a half years ago. And I had, I had a real good time. I heard some really interesting lectures with some really interesting ideas that, that it helped clarify my own thinking and push it forward. And also, I just had a good social time, you know, just sitting around drinking and gabbing with colleagues and interested people who wandered in off the street. Yeah, so, I mean, on that level, yes. Oh, that's Absolutely. encouraging. Very encouraging. What's the, can you tell us a bit about some of these um, ideas that helped uh, clear, get, you get clearer in your mind? Well, independently on my own, since I don't physically see my colleagues very much anymore, I live out in a remote small town in Minnesota, so I don't travel much. And uh, so I 
do a lot of my thinking on my own, of course, we email with, you know, and stuff like that. But just in terms of physical face-to-face conversation, which frees us in ways that electronic communication doesn't, I find. And I learned that some of my colleagues were thinking along the same lines that I was thinking, but they'd taken it in different directions that hadn't occurred to me. For example, the most memorable lecture I heard, and there were several very good ones, but one that really surprised me that I couldn't believe it, I have no interest and never have had any interest in Michael Jackson. But this woman from New York lectured on Michael Jackson, and I was riveted. My jaw dropped on my chest, and I couldn't believe the things that she was saying. But she was talking about things that I've talked about, that I've thought about, but never in the context of Michael Jackson. Namely, you know, kind of our sense of, you know, binaries. There's there's this and there's that, and they don't overlap. Well, in her lecture, she showed all the things about Michael Jackson's persona, his way of thinking, his way he produced his art that broke down these binaries. And she developed the argument at some length and and considerable sophistication. And the reason that it applied at a conference on anomalies was that she was essentially arguing that we think of anomalies as one thing or the other, but they're not always. Sometimes they're both. And um, and this is what I think when I, I coined a term years ago called experience anomalies. And these are extraordinary things that happen to you purely in an experience context, not on an event, not in an event context. And I began to realize the one reason we don't have bodies of like lake monsters and things like that is that lake monsters are really neither here nor there. They're, they're both real and not real at the same time. So we don't have any kind of category to put it in. And Define real and not real. Real is an event. Real is a body. So the and material versus the uh, mental? No, it's not mental. It's not, it's not mental either. There, there's a term that anthropologists use usually applying to when they're talking about religious or experiences where people have vivid visions and the the thing seems to happen on an event level when it's not happening on the event level. It's happening in some kind of extraordinary state that's not the physical or the purely mental. It has aspects of both. And that's where I think, you know, high strangeness experiences occur. And and they're also why we can never prove certain classes of extraordinary experiences. Because they're not really there in a way that we can pick them up and, and carry them home. C- certainly channeling would fall into that category. It, it may possibly be part of that, yes. I But I'm thinking more in terms of things. For example... You know, we've heard a million stories like this that, you know, somebody is walking out in the woods and encounters some extraordinary creature. And um, and the experience seems to be 
absolutely vivid. It is vivid. It has the feeling of reality, but not the substance of reality. And it's something, another thing that makes it extraordinarily anomalous is that if somebody is with you, that person will probably see it too. That these, if it was just a hallucination or imagination, um, only presumably only one person would see it. I want you to see this, and then we'll talk about what you see and don't see, and the experiences that people have. Jerry Clark, Gene Steinberg, J. Randall Murphy, you're in the Paracast. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. This is Fred. Uh, hi, I'm Fred. Fred's a repeater. I tend to repeat. Fred has a business. I do have a business. And a problem. Fred repeats the same tired advertising over and over, and now it doesn't work. Over and over. But Fred is about to see a vision. I'm seeing a vision. Advertising on the Genesis Communications Network is the smart way for Fred to reach his potential customers with the most affordable national advertising rates, period. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just email advertise at GCNlive.com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... 
Take Jake's advice. Give Federal Tax Management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the Federal Tax Management Hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Jerry Clark, the point you made in our previous segment that in situations like this, we're talking about if both people see it, something's going on possibly externally. Is that what you're saying? And if only one person can see it and not the other, it's something that they're experiencing or happening within themselves? In an experience anomaly, anybody within physical proximity of the experience will see the extraordinary phenomenon that has generated the experience. Are we talking about a stimulus here that is external to the experiencer still, or one that is generated by the experiencer? Like, say, uh, if we go to, like, say, Persinger's God Helmet thing, or we have electromagnetic waves that, say, come through from the environment and induce an experience within the experiencer. Or, or are you talking about something that goes on completely within the mind of the experiencer? No, 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 I, I, none of those things. I'm talking about, I'm not explaining anything. I'm describing something. Any explanation would be purely speculative and based on nothing. I'm just talking about the, the dynamics of certain kinds of experiences. And they're usually, not always, experience is extraordinary. For example, here's a here's something that happened within my family some years ago. Um, my ex-wife, my older son, and my ex-mother-in-law saw one quiet, pleasant summer afternoon on the lake shore in South Dakota. They saw a giant lake monster. Now, this was not the Loch Ness kind of monster. It was more like a 19th century lake monster. If you study old newspapers, and I've written about this in some of my books because it's really interesting to me, what people described as lake monsters before the Loch Ness monster were giant serpents. They didn't look like plesiosaurs. They looked like enormous snakes or serpents. And in one of my books, I write at some length on 19th century lake monster stories. 
and I remark that the I wasn't I'm not the first to notice this, but I remark that in the 19th century, lake monsters were not like the Loch Ness monster; they were giant serpents. And I found myself wondering why don't people see giant serpents anymore? They always see Loch Ness monster, plesiosaur-like creatures in the, in the 20th century, and no doubt in our century as well. Well, my ex-wife and my older son and my late mother-in-law never heard me discourse on this subject. I never talked about it with them. In fact, I don't think I'd even thought about it when I was married to her. But anyway, they see this thing. It's a giant serpent. And they see it under conditions that are so clear that they couldn't possibly mistake it. They're even able to estimate its size because of its proximity to a known uh, geographical feature on the lake. And it's visible for about two minutes, and then it sinks under the water and is gone. It turns out they found out subsequently by making inquiries around the lake, and they, they vacationed in the lake cottage and that's been in the family for some time. So they know a lot of people around there. And they began asking them about it. And they learned that this tradition of this giant serpent in the lake is known. People experience it. They just don't talk about it. But I would bet you anything that there is no giant serpent living in the lake. But I believe that you could experience something like that, even though it's not there in a biological sense, but it's more there than if it was just in your imagination. That it's that it's somewhere between the imagined and and, and, the, and the experienced. So all kinds of kinds of extraordinary, high strangeness experiences. That's the dynamic involved, and that's why we can never resolve these controversies because there are two sides. One, it's all imaginary. And it's real and exactly what it appears to be. What if it's neither? Then you get a debate that goes on forever because both sides are asking the wrong questions. I think that's a, by the way, though, I think that's a really interesting story. Thanks for sharing that with us. What I would ask based on that is if someone sees something, we know how our optical senses work. We don't know exactly how vision works, but we know that in order to see something, we need light, we need photons, they need to hit the back of our eye where the retina is, where they're turned into electrochemical responses that are then interpreted by our brain as images. And so what we have when we see things is an external physical material thing that is coming in through our eyes. So in that sense, there must be something external to ourselves in order to see something that is external to ourselves. So, so once again, we're saying, you know, otherwise it is just all in our mind and, and purely in our imagination. So either yeah, we that, actually see something with our eyes or we don't. There really is no in-between. Yeah, I think that's, that's exactly the kind of binary thinking that I think we have to get beyond if we're going to just get some kind of framework to understand what's going on when people experience and see, and clearly there's something to be seen there if more than one person can see it clearly. Right, but can you take a picture of it? if a dog that's nearby starts barking at it, something is there. We don't, we can't, we don't know how to define there, 
but it's something that is there. It's not always there. It may be there only for the duration of the experience, but it's there. It's just not, it's not there in the way we ordinarily think about there. Well, for light to reflect off it, it has to be there in the, in the way we normally think of things being there. Otherwise, it's not there at all, and it's only in our imagination. We, we, that, no, no, because these things are not imaginary in that sense. They may be partly imaginary, but they're not. So what's reflecting, what's reflecting the photons to get into the person's eyes to see it then? We don't know how we see these things. But, but they're, per, they're perceived as being seen. And either, if you want to reject these sightings and say this couldn't possibly have happened and these people are crazy or stupid or extremely gullible, that doesn't seem to be a defensible hypothesis. No, no, that, that, that doesn't get us anywhere, certainly, because, I mean, I love these accounts the kinds of stories that you're telling here i i do absolutely believe people have strange experiences i've had them myself you've had some too uh in the past that you've talked about so i mean who are we to say that somebody else's experience is false but ours is genuine i mean that that wouldn't get in get us any place but let's say suppose they had a camera with them do you think that a camera would have snapped a picture of this thing no here's what would happen if they took a picture of it and people have done this. There would just be a big glow, a big luminous spot where the thing that you were seeing clearly is an alien or a monster or whatever it was. Or you, or you would see some extremely ambiguous image that could be anything. But you can't take a clear photograph of this thing, no matter how seemingly vivid and present it seems to you that okay so it sounds like there there we go now we're getting into this in-betweenness that you're talking about it's there's something some sort of stimulus that's causing a response but it's not what we think it is from the way that we envision it it can't be yes that's right got to be yet, something different yet, yet when you when you say that no it wasn't there it was nothing and you're getting into a, a that's whole, not right either you're getting yeah. into the weeds yeah you're getting lost in the weeds too yeah i mean this is clearly beyond current knowledge and and we don't really understand it. And this, and actually, the idea of experience anomalies is much more radical than the idea of extraterrestrial visitors. Extraterrestrial visitors are containable within current science. Hmm. Experience well, the, anomalies are just beyond not only current knowledge, but as I said earlier, imagined knowledge. Well, personally, was doing that though with uh, the god helmet sure. you know i mean yeah, he would get that, em fields and people would experience well things discredited. not really no he was a genuine yeah, professor has, with who did ask real chris, experiments ask, ask chris Rudkowski about that why don't you let him take up that subject we will because he'll <laughs> be joining can. us in a few minutes but basically we have jerry gene and randall you're in the paracast <laughs> You 
are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. The Hebo Tea Club's original pure Powdiarco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. So it naturally has antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-infection, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. But maybe more importantly, the Hebo Tea Club's original pure Powdiarco Super Tea builds corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen oxygen to develop and cancer happens to die in oxygen. The tea is great for healthy people and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. Dehebo Tea Club's original pure Powdiarco Super Tea is only $34.95 plus shipping. Order now at ShopSuperTea.com or call 818-984-6100. That's ShopSuperTea.com, 818-984-6100, ShopSuperTea.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. For those of you who visited our new online store, theparacast.shop, we're offering a special 15% off sale for a limited time only when you order something from the store. At the checkout, use the keyword UFO, lowercase, and you get a 15% discount, theparacast.shop. And we have this back and forth on experiences and such with Jerry and Randall. Jerry, why don't you pick up before Randall does? Well, I think we have to avoid the perils of reductionism. And I think that that's another problem we have in you know, our discourse on, you know, anomalies. We want to explain them in terms of the known, but they're manifestly not part of the known. If they were, they wouldn't be anomalies. And um, I remember the Alan Hendry, who investigated UFOs for the Center for UFO Studies in the 70s and 80s, would joke about how every every few years, somebody would come along with the all-consuming explanation for UFOs. And it was always something that 
that was, you know, rather mundane or just slightly off the mundane and depended on people's misunderstanding the stimuli around them. And uh, the overwhelming explanation for UFOs goes back to the beginning, of, practically just the beginning of the UFO era. And the first one that comes to mind, although there were probably one or two before this, was that these were skyhook balloons. And the thing about skyhook balloons is that they were new and novel, but nothing too weird. And um, we no longer believe that all UFOs are caused by skyhook balloons or any kind of balloons. And anyone who proposes would be looked at strangely. But I think that we just have to be modest in what we think we know when we're dealing with these phenomena. You know, they seem to be real in the sense that they can be experienced, and a few of them actually seem like event phenomena that are potentially provable as part of the world that we live in, the physical world, consensus reality. We can incorporate them into consensus reality. But if we can't, we'd be better off just saying, I don't know what this is and what causes it. But it seems to be real, in, at least in an experienceable sense. That's all I'm saying. Yes, no doubt that people are having real experiences. And that's really interesting in its own way, in its own right. What they are, I guess it's natural for us to try to figure out what they are. So trying to match potential possible explanations seems to be a sensible way to approach it. If, if there isn't that approach, what, what better approach is there? Try to listen to people, to what they're saying. You know, the least listened to person in a case of an anomaly is the witness. There's a sort of implicit assumption that since the witness could not have experienced what he or she says he or she experienced, then we can tell them what they saw. Oh, we can them. That's a bad and idea. All the time. Yeah. And if you want to know what's happening, listen carefully to the witness. Now, if the witness says, well, it was, it was twilight, the lighting was bad, and I heard some sound in the bushes, and I thought I saw in the shadows some great big ape, that's not a case that you have to spend a lot of time worrying about. You may or may not be able to explain it, but the evidence is so weak and so subject to other interpretations that you don't have to spend a lot of time thinking about that. A group of people say they see some Sasquatch-like creature in broad daylight and not all that far away from them, where if they were saying that they had seen a horse from that distance and in those viewing conditions, it would never occur to us to disbelieve what they say. I think we have to sort of assume that most people, even people telling fantastic stories, are telling the truth as they see it. If we have reason to believe otherwise, then we dismiss their testimony. How about, okay, well, there's a good example then. So what do you think of the whole Patterson film then? I mean, it, you, are, that's very controversial. Uh, which side do you fall on? I'm not an authority on this, I want to say. I'm, you know, my interest in cryptozoology is casual. 
have read more about it than most people. That isn't saying much because most people have read practically nothing about it. Even people have a strong opinion about it. My impression from the reading that I have done is that the creature in the Patterson film is likely a great ape of some kind. Not oh, okay. Anomaly, Even an yeah. actual animal. Even though the guy who there was a guy who said that he was paid to dress up in a costume, uh, showed many, the costume, uh, said that he was there, was can be tra know. trapped, you know, that whole thing. That, Even that's, though <laughs> that's, that's the thing that's interesting to me. I've been thinking about it lately because somebody else brought up the Patterson film recently. And we automatically, we, we're, we're suspicious with good reason. When somebody comes forward and says, I know this, I know the real truth about this or that real controversial thing, like say the Roswell said, and I'm in a position of authority because I was there. Well, we've learned that you don't automatically believe these people. And that, that people making negative claims are often as likely as people making positive claims not to be credible. I don't, I have heard several stories, several different individuals claim they were the guy in the suit. And these stories just don't seem to go anywhere. And they're, 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 they're advanced as the final word on this subject. However, the final word on the subject is not some guy who makes some claim like that who can't prove that he's telling the truth. He's just saying it. And his, his testimony is not supported by other evidence. But the real... Um, the Patterson film is going to be settled by physical anthropologists studying the film. There's a guy who spent his life as a special effects guy in Hollywood. He's written a whole book saying that why the image in the Patterson film couldn't be a guy in a suit. And um, they, there are the, the scientific literature on this says that all kinds of subtle movements within the film on the on the creature itself are not ones that could be faked. And in fact, there are things in that in that film which was made in 1967, I believe, that were not known about anthropoids in uh, 1967. But we have since learned about them. Now, these are the kinds of things that are going to settle the issue. It's not just some guy making an unsupported claim that he was in a monkey suit. It's really a question of, of very specialized knowledge about how muscles in the great apes work, what the film reveals about them that is concordant with, with current knowledge, and I mean, with the, it, it, with our advanced knowledge of these things, is our developing knowledge. Of course, this is just the beginning. We have lots, lots more to cover on the show. So stay with us, okay? We've got Jerry Clark. We've got Gene Steinberg and Jay Randall Murphy. 
Chris Rutkowski is joining us shortly. You're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp-made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Message and data rates may apply. Help, seriously, I am too young for hair loss. My hairline keeps creeping back. Receding? I got this bald spot. Uh, it's thinning everywhere. I'm gonna have to give up and shave it. Dude, put down the razor. Because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration expert, is about to give you your real hair back permanently. Don't ignore the signs of hair loss. Bosley is giving away an absolutely free information kit that reveals all the signs and a free gift card to anyone who texts KIT88 to 85850. Bosley will show you for free how great your hair could look. Using the latest technology, Bosley's solution to hair loss is permanent and protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Plus, since Bosley has new non-surgical options, you owe it to yourself to text now for an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off, no matter what level of hair loss you have. Text KIT88 to 85850. K-I-T-88 to 85850. 
Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I helped thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Let's continue with Jerry Clark on the, the Paracast. Negative testimony as critically as positive testimony in these things. And I just don't see any convincing claim by anybody who claims to have been in the monkey suit. It just isn't anything that settled anything. It was just somebody else telling a story. And I think of the Roswell incident, which is full of people claiming special knowledge. And now we know that many of them were simply making it up. That's all fair enough. But going back to your original point, though, I think we can safely say that uh, when you were talking about the distinction between the different types of experiences, that if we were to look at the Patterson case, we are looking at a case where something material, real, out in the real world was happening, as opposed to just one of these in-between or purely subjective experiences. Exactly. This is what I would call an event-level anomaly. Not an experience level anomaly, but an event level anomaly. And if the Patterson film, you know, is ultimately validated, it will be like a hardcore UFO case, like a radar visual that stands up, that tells us that something was there that could be clearly filmed or tracked on radar or other instruments, that there are event level anomalies. But the most extraordinary anomalies are, in my opinion, what I call experience anomalies that their visions with certain kinds of physical components or, or physical experience with the imagination as part of the equation. Do you think they're initiated by the experiencer's imagination or initiated by something external to the experiencer? That's a very good question. And the answer is, I don't know. What's striking is that so many people who have extraordinary experiences don't know what is happening to them. For example, people who encounter, say, like an elf, if they even know about elves, it may never have occurred to them that such a thing was possible, and yet they have that experience. You don't have to know about these things to experience them. You may learn later that there is a tradition of some kind of supernatural or extraordinary entity that is known to other people, but if it isn't known to you, then it's coming out of somewhere. Ah, interesting, yes. In your conscious imagination. Exactly. That that would imply that it's being initiated from something external, or that we're back to maybe this whole Jungian archetype thing again. Well, I bow out of Jungian archetypes. <laughs> then I, we've I'm got not, something. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. As Fort once said about the fourth dimension, he says, I'm not going to bring that in to prove that I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Think of it this way, Jerry. If it was the fifth dimension, we can get you back and get rid of you simply by having you say your name backwards. I don't know if you know the comic book connection to that. There's a very good book written by a psychologist named Richard Knoll 
called The Aryan Christ. It's a book that came out about 25 years ago, and it's a biography of Carl Jung. And in the book, Noel pretty much demolishes the collective unconscious, and he shows exactly where Jung's argument comes from, and the argument is indisputably wrong based on faulty knowledge of the ancient world. It's a very interesting book, which I recommend, but it, it isn't helpful to think about Jungian archetypes. It is helpful to think, I think, about experiences that break down binaries, that, that are liminal, that are somewhere in between. They're not one thing, they're not another, they're both in some sense. I think it's interesting that the great scholar of fairy lore, the Reverend Robert Kirk, who was a 17th century figure, who wrote the first comprehensive book on Scottish fairy beliefs and published in 1692. He believed in the reality of fairies. They were most often encountered at twilight. And twilight is sort of a metaphor. It's, it's not day, it's not night. It's somewhere between. I want to tell you now that we've got Chris Rudkowski joining us. And here, just a latter part of the show with Jerry Clark, who will hang with us for a while. Chris, welcome back to the Paracast. Good to be here again. You heard part of the discussion with Jerry. Anything occur to you? Well, there's no question that uh, the UFO phenomenon takes on a lot of facets. I mean, there's there's a, a certainly a, a nuts and bolts aspect to it. Uh, sometimes there's something a little more spiritual or esoterical, and uh, that's part of the the fascination that people have with it. Uh, that it's uh, you know, if we had all the answers, it would be uh, a lot less of a mystery than it is. Are you we dealing in your opinion then? with separate things. Here are the physical UFOs, maybe they're spaceships, and here are those other things. Well, you know, I started in ufology as a true Fortean, I suppose, in that uh, I was interested in all the things that uh, were a bit on the unusual side. One of my first books was Unnatural History, which detailed all the weird stuff that was going on and been reported uh, in my part of Canada, from UFOs to paranormal phenomena, ghosts, um, hauntings, uh, Sasquatch, lake monsters, and all sorts of other unusual uh, events. and. Um, uh, you know, I gr greatly uh, appreciated uh, some of the more, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, non nuts and bolts uh, aspects of of ufology uh, quite early on. Although I I have to admit that uh, my scientific background, you know, really makes me focus a little bit more on that uh, than anything else. But at the same time, I mean, I have to acknowledge that we had cases where there was a UFO seen by a family of witnesses uh, within a, a mile or two of where a Sasquatch had been reported the night before, um, and that in turn was close by a, uh, a cemetery where spook lights had been often seen and uh, you know people had reported uh, seeing some unusual things going on and people regularly doused for water with their copper rods so you know the, the overlap of things in small uh, uh, small areas certainly was something that I, uh, I appreciated and uh, and took note of very early on that's really interesting. Do you, uh, have you found over the years a correlation between UFOs and hauntings? Uh, I don't think I've found a correlation necessarily, um, although 
as I mentioned, you know, there's been some cases that seem to have some overlaps and t- types of phenomena occurring uh, about the same time. Uh, having said that, I, you know, I've had discussions with some of my colleagues in the paranormal uh, collective uh, as to whether you know a spook light seen over a cemetery, if it's a discrete light and it's there, you know, uh, every second weekend or you know appears uh, only in certain nights and that type of thing, um, and somebody reports it as a light in the sky to a UFO organization, is it a UFO? Or is it more in the realm of a haunting or a, or a paranormal event? Uh, so that's been something that we've had to deal with from time to time. And, uh, you know, categorizing these things is, you know, quite a challenge. So whether the, the event is reported as a UFO or, uh, or something paranormal is, is really uh, up to the witness. And it's a matter of uh, trying to get the investigators on the same page uh, to try and understand what's really going on. We're trying hard to understand what's going to happen in the next segment. We've got Jerry Clark hanging with us. Chris Rudkowski just recently joining us. And more to come with Gene and Randall. You're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. With more people listening to radio than visit Google, Facebook, or YouTube, from the very young to the very old, everyone listens to radio. Pillow companies, alarm, identity theft, nutrition, insurance, banking, automotive, the list goes on and on. Billion-dollar businesses. Why? The answer is radio, the media everyone tunes into. Find out how effective and affordable radio can be for your business. Contact 877-996-4327 or advertise at GCNlive.com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is praising the U.S. airstrike that killed a top Iranian military leader in Iraq. He spoke on the Senate floor. No man alive was more directly responsible for the deaths of more American service members than Qasem Soleimani. Speaking in Palm Beach, Florida, President Trump explained why they chose to strike. We took action last night to stop a war. We did not take action to start a war. A rampage in Austin, Texas, has killed a man who was at a burrito shop. Police Sergeant David Daniels says they don't know what set off the suspect, who also assaulted others in the area. A tragic situation that somebody has lost their life. Um, This is the uh, first homicide of 2020. This is USA Radio News. Hey, travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right. 
Call, because the best prices are not online. They're with SmartFares. See, SmartFares has special deals with the airlines. When they have unsold seats, they use SmartFares to fill them. So you get airline tickets at ridiculously low prices. Our prices are too low to publish online. With the extra money you'll save, you can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner or shopping. So stop searching all of those travel sites to find the lowest price on your next flight. Let one of our SmartFares expert travel agents find ridiculously low prices for you. Call SmartFares today and get the best price on your next flight. Guaranteed. Also, save up to 50% off business and first class tickets. 800-871-3291. 800-871-3291. Again, that's 800-871-3291. If you have diabetes and you're on Medicare, Medicaid, or have private insurance, you may qualify for a new continuous glucose monitor. Managing your diabetes is crucial to your health. The new CGM can automatically and easily help you manage your diabetes more effectively. And by using a CGM, you can eliminate the one thing most people with diabetes dislike the most, finger sticks. Now you can automatically manage your diabetes and end the painful finger sticks. Solara Medical Supplies makes it simple for you to have a new CGM. We'll do all the insurance paperwork for you and deliver the newest in diabetic care technology right to your door. Take charge of your diabetes today with the help of a new continuous glucose monitor. Call now to learn more. 800-547-5331-800-547-5331-800-547-5331. That's 800-547-5331. Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Now, just very briefly, on last week's episode of the Paracast, we had Jill Foot Shelley, and she's a ghost hunter. Okay, and she operates out of the St. Croix Valley. Now, when I tried to pin her down... Really, how can we say that these ghosts are spirits of the dead? And her response is, well, it's comfort food, which I guess is that it feels comforting or reasonable to think that our dead relatives are there and are trying to get in touch with us. But you, Chris, you, Jerry, now that we're kind of overlapping into other phenomena, what do you think about it? Chris? Uh, what I think of of uh, ghosts and so forth in terms of uh, comfort food and why we have the reports at all. Well, I do tend to understand why. I just saw the note from uh, the free organization, uh, the Monroe Institute and all the abductees and so forth, uh, the group that did all the, uh, the survey of uh, contactees. And they're now pushing for a, a scientific series of research programs to combine all the contact modalities, as they call it, which I hate as a term and doesn't mean anything at all. Um, but they, they say it's, 
it's things like you know UFOs and uh, out of body experiences and ghosts and hauntings and poltergeists and uh, Sasquatch and and uh, Mothman and all that sort of stuff. All the same types of phenomena that uh, this this phenomenon is trying to contact us through these various uh, methods. So I sympathize with that. Uh, it, it does seem that there's a lot of common ground in a lot of these. But at the same time, you know, ufology is rooted in the nuts and bolts going back uh, into its early part. And, uh, you know, there did seem uh, for many cases to be a very solid, pragmatic series of events leading to uh, some case investigations, you know, th- marks found on the ground, uh, some consistency in terms of sighting reports. And the fact that we can go back, for example, with my Canadian UFO survey, decades and find find some common ground, find some ways in which we can uh, explain cases simply by the way in which they're presented, because people report different colors uh, at certain times. We know that uh, they're there are durations that lead us to different conclusions. The fact that we can explain so many cases uh, in ufology because we have the data and we know from experience how these things work suggests that they are a different type of bird than uh, a lot of paranormal cases, which seem to have some real humanistic, some uh, spiritualistic aspects to them and uh, a lot of that isn't present in a lot of the ufo phenomena at the same time there does seem to be overlap if you look at what contactees and abductees are reporting especially contactees there does seem to be a great overlap in terms of mental processes paranormal phenomena things going bump in the night and and so forth uh, that you can definitely say that there does seem to be some some relationship there but it's not a relationship that is prevalent throughout all of you ufology and certainly within prevalent throughout all of the the paranormal phenomena as well. Okay. I remember a debate that consumed ufology for two or three decades and continues still to some degree. And that was the followers of Kiel and Ballet on one side and the other side, the hardcore nuts and bolts people who really started ufology and continued as a strong faction of ufology. And these two groups were at each other's throats Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a completely useless, pointless dispute. Because what if we're dealing with both things? And that what we call the UFO phenomenon encompasses things, some of which are extraordinary anomalies that exist on some experience level and borrow from supernatural traditions and genuine physical craft from some other place in the universe. What if we're dealing with both? It's not either or. And I think that the high strangeness phenomena that that interests me are the stuff that lend themselves to uh, extraordinary kinds of speculations. Whereas in an ironic sense, the radar visuals, the CE2, things like that, are really more earthbound because mm-hmm. they're containable within science as we understand it. And I think that's my point of view. I don't believe that UFOs are related to ghosts, but I believe that there is a connection that you can make with high strangest phenomena and certain kinds of other supernatural traditions, particularly ones focused on other intelligences, whether 1897 aeronauts or elven creatures, 
that exist at least on the experience level. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember uh, my mind being blown because I, I started, you know, in the nuts and bolts era and uh, quickly moved. Uh, I remember reading um, Valet's books like Messengers of Deception and reading Keel's stuff about the ultra terrestrials and so forth. And at that time, you know, reading that uh, in the 70s and, and into the 80s, trying to, to deal with the, the the facts that, you know, you, as you say, you have these radar visual cases, you have marks on the ground, you have some other aspects that seem really pretty solid machine-like things. At the same time, you have these experiences reported by witnesses that are much more, I don't know, experiential, for, for lack of a better term. And the possibility that the uh, UFOnauts or, or whoever were manifesting these other effects uh, in parallel to the nuts and bolts uh, was really quite fascinating. And, and it, was, uh, it was really interesting to have been part of that at the, at the early onset. Well, that was part of the question that we were discussing uh, just before you joined the show, where uh, I was asking Jerry where these experiences were initiated from. Were they initiated by the experiencer's own mind, or were they initiated by something external to the experiencer? If we include both, if we want to say we have an objectively real phenomena in terms of a UFO, a craft of some kind, uh, with some sort of an intelligence that is enabled is able to initiate the experience in an experiencer then we're dealing with one thing if it's all initiated within the person's mind by some natural cause then that's a completely separate thing yeah and um and there's also another way of looking at it too because uh, it, it is the witness that uh, is important i mean we the we actually don't investigate ufo's because the ufo's are long gone um but we we actually try to understand what the witness has seen we're sort of the detective detectives after the fact and uh, i i just uh, i think i posted yesterday or the day before um on ufo updates um about uh, a case that uh, had had been sent to me uh, just over the the New Year's break uh, of a woman who has taken many many photographs uh, and posted them to a number of UFO groups and submitted them to uh, Linda Howe and to MUFON and a number of other uh, organizations. And uh, uh, there's no question that uh, uh, the photos are, for the most part, simple lens flares and internal reflections uh, of, her, of her camera. But her interpretation of what she's experiencing is much, much different than that. She is talking about uh, armadas of uh, saucers in the sky over her city. Uh, she is feeling spiritually enlightened. She is uh, f feeling uh, very honored to have been chosen to have uh, taken these photographs of the, uh, of the alien ships. Uh, and, and yet everyone who sees these photographs can identify <laughs> what what is seen as simple uh, reflections of, of some streetlights and so forth. But what's experienced by the witness is very, very different. And uh, I think we have to take that into account when we look at some of the other uh, paranormal effects that witnesses have reported in association with UFOs. I mean, there there will be some nuts and bolts effects, but, you know, what is actually being experienced, um, what the reality is, uh, may be very, very different from uh, what I uh, interpret as opposed to somebody else. So uh, that's certainly a factor as well that has to be taken into account when dealing with uh, UFO cases. Let's take this into account, and we'll have more to come with Jerry, Gene, 
Randall and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. This is George Dory from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens. We support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNlife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNlife.com or 844-443-6637. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with Reputation Defender. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with Reputation Defender. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with Reputation Defender. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. We all hear the stories in the news. The good guy uses a gun to protect his family from criminals, and he's the one arrested. The legal system is not fair, and responsibly armed Americans are political targets. So here's how you can take a simple and rewarding journey to complete self-defense confidence. Simply text GCN to 87222 to discover how the USCCA can give you the training, education, legal, and financial protection you need to truly protect the people you love. Don't risk everything and leave your family vulnerable. 
Now it's time to prepare and protect yourself. So if you're ready to take your next step as a responsibly armed American, you're ready to truly become your family's ultimate protector. Text GCN to 87222. Discover your life-saving USCCA member benefits today. Again, that's text GCN to 87222. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? We continue with Jerry, Gene, Randall, and Chris. Jerry, you were going to pick up on something? Yeah, Chris, this woman, we, we, you know, I, I haven't seen these pictures, but I, I trust your assessment of them. But aside from the pictures, this woman is clearly something's going on that she thinks is real. Are, does she describe any, anything, not, as, not these pictures, but something in her ground level experience does she have anybody else who has in her company has seen like you know an alien or something extraordinary no not at all and in only one of the instances and she actually has been reporting i think there's eight or ten cases now that she's reported all in the span of a few days in only one case has somebody else been present to see one of the lights that was moving in the sky in that case it was not a street light but the, but something else i think an airplane so in most part this is simply her experience um she did show her the photos to i think her daughter and her daughter just dismissed them out of hand as a uh, as reflections and so forth so uh, this is something that's that's very personal to the woman and it, it challenges ufology or challenges UFO investigators that what do you do in cases like that where and we get this all the time where somebody you know gives me a photo of something that that uh, they say is absolutely remarkable and clearly proves to them that UFOs are real and you can see from the blue nature of of the object next to the sun that it's it's clearly an internal reflection in the cell phone uh, sensors but to them it's something different and are they really experiencing you know, I don't know, a revelation, a profound uh, um, uh, you know, raising of consciousness through this stimulus, or are they just sort of going off uh, down the rabbit hole? And does it matter? I mean, to them, this is this is absolutely real. Um, but, uh, you know, as uh, uh, Mike Benias has, has posted and, and written about a number of times, you know, the line between reality and, and non-reality is, is a little blurry sometimes and depends a lot on, uh, on the viewer. Well, from your description of this, I, was, I don't think there's anything particularly anomalous going on. It seems like, you know, a psychological experience. It reminds me of something that happened to me. I've written about it years ago. Where I was, I got these letters from this guy in a, in a small city in downstate Illinois, and he claimed that he had um, this little round ball that had been pushed out of his nose when he was thrown up against the windshield of his car in an accident, and he connected it with what he believed had been a UFO abduction experience. And he said if I was interested, he would give me this little ball that had been pushed up his nose by aliens. So Don Schmidt and I drove down to the city in downstate Illinois, and we met the guy. And, of course, Don and I were just 
barely able to contain our skepticism or uh, excitement. And this, <laughs> oh. thing turned out, this thing turned out to be just a, a, a little industrial ball. That there was nothing unusual. There was nothing extraordinary about it. The only thing was that in his head, through some kind of psychological process that I wasn't privy to, this guy had associated with really an incredible experience. And it was all just purely imaginary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we had the ball taken to a laboratory, by the way. And it just turned out to be what it looked to us with our bare eyes. How did he react when you informed him of your findings? He didn't react. As I recall when we told him what we thought it was, what we were certain it was, he just, I, he didn't say much of anything. If, if it, I just don't even remember how he responded. I haven't thought about that. Mm-hmm. But he must have been pretty passive about it, if I don't remember. Right. Well, this woman here, um, I actually uh, replied to her in uh, the Facebook forum where she was posting these. And I said, you know, I'm sorry to say these seem to be, for the most part, uh, just reflections and lens flares. And uh, boy, she flamed me something fierce. Um, In fact, she uh, called me a disinformation agent uh, and uh, that, uh, you know, I can't be trusted because I'm obviously working for them and so forth. And what's really interesting is in this particular UFO forum, um, a lot chimed in. Boy, yeah, you know, there's no question that anybody who, uh, you know, explains UFO uh, uh, photos as uh, as lens flares obviously is uh, is not a believer in that shouldn't be trusted at all and you know, that's <laughs> it, it, it really uh shows how how firmly ingrained belief is uh in, in this type of phenomena and uh that's why a lot of the the uh, ufo lecture circuit is is full of people who are really really you know wanting to believe something very very strongly and and uh, uh it's uh, uh it's it you know it, it it sort of almost goes uh, uh, against the grain of what UFO investigation is all about uh, and ufology should be all about, trying to get to the truth, trying to understand what's really going on. And if you've already made up your mind that the aliens are definitely here and flying armadas over cities, then what's the point of UFO report investigation? Well, isn't well, funny? One thing that, that is ubiquitous in society is paranoia, and that applies not just to UFOs, but all kinds of things, you know, political things. and. And um, people are just have to indulge their paranoia, whatever it's about. I think that's where it comes from. Well, anyone who is objective is opening themselves up to ridicule on both sides. It depends then. I mean, at least if you're on one side or the other, you're only getting it from one side. (laughs) But when you're in the middle, it can be pretty rough sometimes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And if you're sitting on the fence, especially a picket fence, it can be really painful. Oh, What do you guys think about when we were talking about Valet there, that he had this idea of a sort of a control system that kind of implies that whatever this phenomena is or the aliens are, there's some sort of an agenda, some sort of a, a intent on their part. What, what do you guys think about that? Uh, go ahead, Jerry. <laughs> I, I, I'm not wild about the idea. Oh. Uh, I, I think it's 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 just you know an interesting speculation, but I don't know how you would prove it. 
I, I can't remember who it was. It wasn't uh, Valet and it wasn't Keel, but it was somebody from what was then called the New Age or New Wave ufology of the 70s who called it the cosmic thermostat. That uh, if people got a little too pragmatic, uh, something would occur uh, either in society or in their own, uh, uh, you know, macro universe uh, to uh, uh, you know, bring them a little more into the, the spiritual aspect. And if people got a little too carried away with, uh, with a religiosity, uh, something would occur to cause them to be a little more grounded and uh, uh, it's an interesting way of looking at things, and and can be applied in a lot of in a lot of aspects of of our uh, world. Yeah, you know, it's also uh, yeah, just a mountain's worth of, of uh, speculation on about an anthill's worth of actual data. You know, it's mm-hmm. just it's just people being clever. That's about all it is. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, of course. Um, uh, Oh, forget it. I just lost what I was thinking there. <laughs> It'll come back to me in a minute. See those aliens? They'll just zap that out of your brain before you know it. Yep. Actually, it's a neuralizer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody pay attention. Look right here. Nick Redfern. There it is. How could we forget Nick Redfern? He was on the show not all that long ago talking about how he was writing in his book that the Russians actually were sending people and disinformation back into the contactee movement back in the 50s and uh, 40s 50 and, and the 40s i think it was so i mean maybe there's an agenda there i mean that that would be something that's actual traceable and you know nick he's dug up the freedom of information documents and so on i know that the fbi suspected georgia damsky of communist activities and i don't say that because i believe it but i'm just reporting what i read and certainly the, there's stories about how the CIA and FBI infiltrated NICAP and were basically running NICAP. Um, so, yeah, are, are there, you know, some sort of government agents trying to uh, to sway people's opinion for their own agendas with regard to UFOs? Uh, well, you know, if you believe uh, uh, liberal uh, media, I mean, that's, that's occurring regularly uh, with regard to politics. So uh, why not uh, with regard to UFOs, well, I suppose? I, I also right-wing media are big. And right-wing, that. yeah. <laughs> yeah, paranoia is uh, bipartisan, I think. But um, I, d- I don't believe that story about the, the CIA and the and NICAP. When I was working on my encyclopedia, I had access to a whole bunch of internal documents. Let's go back to the NICAP thing. In our next segment, more to come with Gene, Jerry, Chris, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great t 
T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Warning. If you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back, because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-976-1460. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-976-1460. That's 1-800-976-1460. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. To bring you up to date, of course, back in the old days, because NICAP had so many military people on its board of governors, including the first head of the CIA, there was a feeling that maybe NICAP was infiltrated or operated as a government front. And Jerry, you explored these possibilities. Tell us more. Yeah, I kept hearing these stories, and I'm kind of an anti-paranoid I'm so anti-paranoid that if someone was out to get me, I'd be the last guy to figure it out, actually. <laughs> but I was had access to all kinds of internal documents within NICAP, including internal memos and letters and so on. And I was particularly interested in the circumstances under which NICAP, had, at least the Kiowa-era NICAP, had, had died. So I went through all these letters, which were not meant for public consumption, but are quite revelatory if you see them. And in my encyclopedia on the yeah, the entry for NICAP, you'll see the, a, a summation of what was in those materials. But basically, the CIA didn't have to infiltrate NICAP for it to fail. Keel was a lousy manager. In fact, he was hardly there. He knew nothing about finances. There was nobody there who knew how they might have been good UFO students and UFO researchers, but they weren't good managers and they weren't good bookkeepers. And so what finally happened was that uh, J.B. Hartraff, who was a member of the NICAP board, got access to the financial records and was horrified, particularly when he discovered that if the organization went belly up, the members of the board would be financially responsible themselves for paying off all the debts. When he saw this, he just freaked out, and he gathered the other members of the board together and told them what would happen, and they weren't very happy to hear that either. And so they immediately decided that uh, Keo had to go, and it wasn't infiltration. It was just mismanagement. It was just actually kind of a boring story, at least to an outsider. If you were a board member, it wouldn't have been boring. It would have been terrifying. 
with regard to Major Keogh, and I didn't know this when I interviewed him some years later, did he ever make a public comment with regard to his dismissal from NICAP, or did they just cover it over that he left for personal reasons, that sort of thing? Well, I think that it was known, I don't remember specifically the details, but it was known that he'd been fired, and there were people who were really upset about that because Keogh was you know, widely admired within ufology. He was a major figure in its history. And Keel wasn't happy, but I think that mostly they didn't go public about this. I know that that Dick Hall was, was fired and then Gordon Lohr, they squawked publicly. But I think the story about the say takeover really didn't come into prominence until years later. Right. They just found out that the board members happened to be uh people who had been employed by those agencies. But Kehoe had a whole bunch of friends in the military, from what I right. recall reading a bunch of this, probably a bunch of the same stuff you did, and that yeah. they actually did have a genuine interest in the in UFOs just like he did. And, of course, Kehoe was also in the Air Force. So, it, yeah, you know, I, you, I tend living, to go with you, Jerry, for, on that if, one for if sure. If you're living in D.C., you don't have to throw too many stones to hit the CIA or retired CIA. <laughs> 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 social crowd. You know, exactly. Keogh, I think, went to Annapolis with the first head of the CIA, Keogh being right. a Marine, by the way. Well, Roscoe Hillencoder, yeah, Keogh was a Marine. Hillencoder was a, a Navy guy, yeah. But they yeah. but they did get pretty jerked around by the Condon Commission when they were doing that report. Yeah. But from everything I was reading, Condon didn't even read the stuff that NICAP sent in. He just was exactly. sat on his desk. Yeah, That's true. Yeah, and I agree uh, completely with Jerry about you know how uh, the CIA and uh, and FBI didn't have to infiltrate the UFO groups to to help them along to fail. It's like the arguments about you know there there's some secret cabal that is uh, manipulating uh, what's going on in ufology to make ufology look crazy. No, no, it's it no. doesn't have to be a secret cabal. No, no. <laughs> we well, do no. that very well on our own. Yeah. Okay, but to be fair, there was the Robertson panel, and that was convened under the direction of the CIA. So, I mean, that was where they had plans even for Disney Corporation to take part in the whole debunking and ridicule campaign. So, you know, it's not like there's no substance to it. And well, Ruppel, I mean, Ruppel yeah, was but, really not in, you know, he was very offended by that, as was Heineck, who sort of participated in an in a observer fashion. Yeah, I mean, the CIA has periodically had interest in UFOs, and including interest in debunking the, the UFOs, particularly during the early Cold War. That's true, but, you know, one thing may be true, but it doesn't necessarily lead to another. Yeah, I mean, uh, Alan certainly, um, in his Heineck UFO report, laid out case after case after case where, you know, a lot of the, he was being pressured to explain cases that didn't have ex easy explanations because he was being pressured in, in order to do so. So, you know, there's a lot of that that certainly was going on. But in terms of a, a you know, a large scale plan and strategy, that was certainly probably more because the uh, U.S. Air Force uh, didn't want to admit in any way that it didn't know what was going on. Uh, it wanted to be able to control the information and, uh, you know, have everyone uh, believe that it knew what was going on. And it was, you know, so as not to cause some fear to spur out of control. Well, for most of its history of interaction with UFO sightings, I think 
the Air Force just didn't want people to bother them about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was no deeper than that. It was just bad public relations strategy to throw out lousy explanations and insult people's intelligence. But there wasn't a deep, sinister reason for that. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Well, not with the Air Force. And, and for that matter, the Robertson panel, that was all a reaction to the Cold War. If I'm remembering correctly, that's because they were concerned about how it might clog up the lines of communication in the event that there was some sort of uh, emergency that required action on the part of the national defense agencies. So they wanted to try and quieten it down as much as possible. And so they definitely recommended debunking strategies, including ridiculing people. And up until that time, there wasn't a lot of ridicule going on. It was just a phenomenon that nobody knew about and could explain. And they were trying to figure it out as best they could with what limited budgets they had. Well, there was a lot of ridicule from the, from the outset. I mean, uh, ridicule has been as, much a part of the UFO phenomenon as anything else you can think about. And it's just, you know, human beings really messed up the arrival of UFOs. They just didn't know how to deal with it. So many of them, unfortunately, people in positions of power thought the way to deal with them was to ridicule them to death. Well, actually, hang on here. We had the, okay, Kenneth Arnold sighting, the big, that was one of the main ones. There was no, like, ridicule going on there. Then they had the actual Roswell incident in the papers. That made it around. People started to get interested in it. There wasn't a lot of ridicule that settled in in those days. I mean, the very early days, people thought, wow, this is a really interesting story. Let's put it in the news. I spent a fair amount of time reading the early coverage of UFO sightings in the American press. Believe me, there was a lot of ridicule. Yeah, even the 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 origin of the term flying saucer uh, was very flippant, you know, with the fact that it was a saucer skimming across the water or however we want the, the mythology to to do it. And it was uh, no question that they took uh, Arnold seriously, but the whole idea of, of flying saucers um, and, uh, you know, the, the idea that these, these things were flying flapjacks or whatever really spun out of control in the, even in the early days of the uh, late 1940s. So, yeah, there was a lot of, certainly was a lot of ridicule, uh, but that, a lot of that came from media. And, but uh, I think the, the, military and government uh, encouraged it because after all it was certainly ridiculous to think that you know flying saucers could be invading our airspace without us knowing about it by golly so uh, they'd have to know about it that's possibly why so many people of course believe that the government knew the facts and they were hiding it from us and there had to be some kind of disclosure one of the main arguments that major Kehoe voiced in his books is that there was a silence group within the government that harbored the secret. For more to come with Chris, Jerry, and Gene, and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. 
It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-301-5435. That's 800-301-5435. 800-301-5435. We all have heard about the benefits of fish oils, but what about the presence of heavy metals, PCBs, dioxins, furans, and other contaminants found in fatty tissues of fish. GCNteam.com recognizes this risk and offers IFOS-certified tested omega-3 fatty acids. EPA, DHA, insist on IFOS omega-3 fatty acid certification. Get the best at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented MyPillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. MyPillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Jose works on a farm. Safety is important. His boss calls 811 to determine where it's okay to dig. This protects Jose from hitting an underground line and from serious injury. Because Jose can't tell exactly where or how deep the lines are, he doesn't dig until 811 tells him it's safe. The most important thing is that Jose works safe and goes home to his family. For more information, visit farmsafe811.org. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. As we ended the previous segment, Jerry Clark was about to say something in response to what Chris had talked about. Go ahead. 
my impression of the early press coverage was that there was ridicule, but I agree that there wasn't as much ridicule as there came to be. The initial response was people were just taken aback. They didn't know what to make of this. And they certainly didn't think they were seeing spaceships. In fact, the first Gallup poll taken on the subject was in the middle of August 1947, and spaceships don't even figure among the possibilities that, that were expressed in sufficient numbers that they even registered. Right. But, they were thinking Russians or something like that, foreign powers. Well, one popular okay. theory, which seems pretty bizarre now, but it was widely discussed in the early days, was that this was some kind of side effect of atomic testing. But as opinion solidified over time, and there were the, the, the controversy went on long enough, then the ridicule really began to define much of it. It didn't happen immediately. Where did the whole idea of then the, the space in, uh, visitors come from? Was that from the contactees, or, no, or how, how did that get started then? I actually written a paper on that subject. It's in a book published by the University Press of Kansas called The Extraterrestrial Hypothesis in the Early UFO Age. It comes from members of the Fortean Society who were interviewed early on, who came forward and told reporters who filed stories saying that there was a history of these things, that these things went back for decades and maybe centuries, and that Fort had speculated that these were visitors from other planets. And those stories really planted the idea of the extraterrestrial hypothesis. And that would have been, like, around when? Within, like, several days and two weeks of the Arnold sighting. Of the Arnold sighting. Start to okay. show up, yep. Well, then, those, those darn Forteans, always causing trouble. Of course, I mean, the Air Force had its part in it, too. I mean, it, we know now, I mean, it was held back for a while, but there was the estimate of the situation that Edward J. Ruppelt, who said he held right in his hands and looked at, and they, their own engineers in at Wright-Patterson, d- determined the best, most reasonable answer was that they were interplanetary at the time. Well, I don't think, you know, they didn't mention interstellar, but I don't uh, think, th- they, they, but that's what he said. So, I mean, that takes us right back to the project sign. The, the reason that the Air Force guys and science figured out sooner than the general public did, because the guys at sign were engineers and had a pretty realistic sense of what earthly aviation technology was capable of, and the flying discs were way beyond that. So oh, yeah. they deduced they had to have come from another planet. Yeah, I mean, we still can't make, as far as I know, any kind of a flying disc that can do what these things were reported to have been doing even back then. Yeah, that's right. That's and true. As much as a few people, I don't know if you've had Palmiro Campagna on your show, but uh, at one point he was saying that the uh, the saucers that we were seeing in the 60s and 70s were uh, continuations of the uh, Avro Aero Project uh, <laughs> uh, saucer that had been reclassified and uh, re-engineered in the United States. I don't... That used to be called the secret weapon theory. It's unkillable. Yes, yeah. yes that's right. I don't know that. I don't think any of us on this show right now would agree that the Avro Aero car has anything to do with what uh, fighter pilots were chasing, you know, at Mach 1. No, no, absolutely not. No, <laughs> no I'd say the chances of that are zero. How about you, Chris? We talked a little bit about disclosure just uh, at the beginning in the first episode with Jerry, and 2020 seems to be. Uh, very optimistic for for that, at least with some people. And 
it seems to be moving closer to that. What do you think? Is 2020 going to be the year or? Well, I've heard that prediction for 20 to 30 years, if not more. This will be the year. Is it Kobachar? Kobachar, who just said that if she's elected, she'll reveal all about UFOs? I mean, yeah. You know, is this going to be the year? Of course, I have an issue with the whole disclosure thing anyways. What's your perspective on it? Well, as I understand it, you know, even the the concept of disclosure has changed a little bit. It's no longer, you know, suddenly they're going to stand on the White House lawn and admit everything. Now it's, uh, and I'm trying to remember the term, is it gradual acclimation uh, or gradual something? And the idea is that, you know, the, the information is going to trickle out and the public's going to be, you know, you know, get trickle down you, disclosure, trickle down, trickle down ufology. That's pretty good. I like that. <laughs> Um, because, because, and of course, that's because you know over the past twenty years, disclosure with a capital D hasn't happened. So they're using a small D and saying, "Well, no, it's it's doing a little more subtle." And this, this, you know, the Bilderbergs or whoever's in charge are, are being a little more clever about this, and and that's why you're hearing about these, you know, uh, contact modalities and and whatever else. And as far as disclosure goes. Everything I'm seeing in ufology or everything I've seen in ufology during the past 40 years is really just the result of diligent researchers and investigators finding more uh, documents, uh, working with scientists, working with researchers, uh, diligently pouring through reports and uh, talking to witnesses and learning more about the nature of the UFO phenomenon. It has nothing to do with disclosure. And I've made the point before, I think even on uh, on uh, this podcast, that in terms of disclosure in, of Canadian UFO documents, there's never been a problem of disclosure because we've had a record continuous since uh, 1947 of UFO documents reported to the military and to official sources uh, that have been made available to UFO investigators, uh, you know, right till now. As a matter of fact, I I just received some interesting cases uh, through the Department of Transport and National Defense just over the past uh, few weeks before Christmas because they're continually being reported. And the, the, the cases are there. There's no need to file uh, Freedom of Information Act requests. Uh, the reports are there. And in the case of Canada, there's something like 8,000 documents that have been made available uh, by scanning and are available through the National Archives. Uh, so the Canada at least has a complete record. You know, we don't know what happened uh, in the United States uh, after Blue Book, uh, you know, from about 1970 to present, uh, where those UFO reports are going is a big black hole. But people like Paul Dean and Isaac Coy and a few others are finding many, many cases of, uh, you know, military jets, uh, you know, involved in UFOs. This goes, this has nothing to do with TTSA or ATIP or whatever. These are people who are finding uh, cases through uh, other channels uh, and documenting the fact that the military has been studying and reporting UFOs all along. So, you know, I, I don't buy into the whole disclosure thing. I don't buy into the fact that, you know, somebody, I mean, the idea of disclosure that somebody, uh, you know, I mentioned the Bilderbergs, but it could be little, literally anybody, but somebody's controlling the the information. And I just don't see that. It, it, it's better to think of the fact that it's just the result of honest, serious research by passionate individuals uh, who are finding some fascinating information. Now, I have a few stories to tell, but I may just save them 
for this weekend's episode of After the Paracast, which will feature Jerry Clark and Chris Wutkowski. Certainly opening up some more possibilities. We have a couple of more segments with Jerry Clark, Chris Wutkowski. With Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid mobile survival bug outhouse that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full-body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. Shouts of death to America was being called out in Baghdad among thousands of mourners in a funeral procession for Iranian General Qasem Soleimani, who was killed in a U.S. airstrike. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says he was planning a major incident. When he landed in Baghdad, uh, the travels before that put him in places all around the region which were uh, aimed solely at building out what they were referring to as the big attack. Democrats, including Virginia's Mark Warner, has questions. There was a threat. The question that I still need to get answered is, has the administration thought through all the ramifications of their action? A better outcome would have been if the administration had briefed congressional leaders beforehand, briefed our allies beforehand. This is USA Radio News. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-605-6995. Immediately, that's 800-605-6995. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-605-6995 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-605-6995. That's 800-605-6995. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-605-6995 for your free author submission kit. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that?
that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP as slim as possible. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Got Jerry Clark has a response to what Chris was talking about. Jerry? Yeah, I completely agree with Chris. I think that the reason that we know what we know about UFOs is ufology, which is civilians digging out stuff, investigating cases. Now, we all kick ufology around and, and are acutely conscious of its many failings. But ufology came through, at least the best ufologists did come through and preserve a lot of material information, sightings that we wouldn't know about if it weren't for them. So w- once in a while, we can pat ourselves on the back. Not too often, but once in a while. <laughs> Okay, so you guys both are kind of on the opposite side of the table from me then when it comes to what I think they, meaning those with all the instrumentation, know. Because I find it really hard to believe that uh, an organization like the Armed Forces, especially advanced ones like they have in the United States, where they've got satellites that are out past the moon that can look back on the moon and monitor everything that's going on in our airspace at all times, 24-7, don't know more than we do. Well, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm definitely not saying that. I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, the Air Force or, or Navy, whoever, don't have classified UFO information. That's different than saying that there is an organized disclosure movement that is preventing uh, the free flow of UFO information to the general public. And I I think we have to be realistic. I mean, there will be uh, UFO cases, and if you want to mention Nimitz, go right ahead. But if you want UFO cases that are reported uh, during peacetime by military operations, that are classified because they're classified during, you know, secret uh, maneuvers done under uh, special circumstances. For example, you can just imagine if UFOs are seen by uh, military individuals in Afghanistan, in the Middle East, elsewhere, and so forth, those we would rightly so not have access to. That's very different than saying that there is a disclosure program that is preventing uh, people from understanding what's really going on with UFOs. Okay, uh, okay, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Chris. What yeah. do you think, Jerry? I think the point you made is a reasonable one, but I share Chris's analysis that yes, there certainly they know more about individual cases. But when I talk about what we know about UFOs, I'm talking about what's publicly available to us, of course. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, with, there are certainly going to be uh, some cases and, and details and investigations and projects we don't know about. Do we have, you know, is the little green uh, men in pickle jars uh, a real thing? I don't know. I uh, like but- that, little green men in pickle jars. <laughs> Yeah. Every time I eat a pickle now, I'm going to be thinking. <laughs> yeah. Do you, you know, when I have uh, deli here, there's a semi kosher deli. I have pickles. Now I'm going to think, oh my God, what was in that bottle? I just, as a matter of fact, today posted on updates a flyer from UFO Pizza in St. Paul, Alberta from 1998. It was a UFO <laughs> conference in Canada. And the, the, the store was actually called UFO Pizza because of the St. Paul UFO landing pad. Of course. And I'll tell you, so as far as delis go, their UFO special, and I'm reading this off their flyer, was ham, pepperoni, mushroom, green pepper, olives, onion, shrimp, and cheese. And you can get a medium for $19. You're making me hungry. There you go. <laughs> that sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> so where do you guys think we're going in 2020, then, in terms of a direction? One, Just to preface that some more, uh, we've had a couple of our guests say that there's been a bit of a resurgence in the whole contactee movement where people are going out and, uh, you know, feeling the whole Space Brother revival thing. What do you guys see happening? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no question that the contactee movement is really the the greater part of ufology right now. Uh, If you look at the lineup, for example, of Contact in the Desert that's coming up this year, it's mostly contactee. A lot of the discussion of consciousness and spirituality and and channeling and so forth, that's, uh, you know, it's noticeably greater uh, in terms of the lineup than in previous years. It, it seems to be growing in, in popularity. It's hard to avoid it uh, when you're speaking and uh, when I'm speaking in public, people are always coming to me and asking me about it. Uh, I, I think we're certainly seeing more in terms of that, um, in fact, to the point where people are not interested in typical U.S. UFO reports anymore. Lights in the sky, nocturnal lights, nah, not interested. I want to know about uh, why the aliens are, are watching me every day. That's more to what people are are fascinated with. So yeah, 2020 doesn't bode well in terms of serious research into ufology is uh, just my, my intuition. Jerry? Well, I'm a little more optimistic than, than Chris is because I think the appearance of uh, coverage of Serious, interesting evidence laid in UFO sightings in media, including you know New York Magazine, the New York Times, and and CNN and elsewhere, suggest that maybe there's an opening for a relatively ridicule-free UFO study, and that would be good for all of us if people in positions to serious investigations with funding and science dare to do it because there's a serious interest um, that's a good thing and that 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 is genuine progress so i guess we'll just we'll just see what happens i i certainly hope so i, I mean i i sincerely hope that that is what's going to happen i am also encouraged by the increased positive media 
Uh, I remember going back and doing a media comparison at the beginning of the TTSA announcement and uh, in the following of the the Nimitz uh, announcement and so forth. And uh, even though the amount of media coverage is is quite high, um, if you go back and do a a survey of newspapers and periodicals, um, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, it's actually not that much higher. Um, yeah, significantly, um, but in terms of, like you say, New York Mag, and uh, I mean, New York Times has always had uh, articles about UFOs that were relatively ridicule-free. Um, so, I mean, some publications have sort of been uh, an even keel, but when you get things, I mean, uh, for example, uh, Benias's article in Popular Mechanics uh, that was just published. Popular Mechanics has been publishing articles on UFOs for many decades. Um, that's nothing Thing new, um, but to see somebody of the caliber of Benias, uh, uh, people like uh, Sarah Scholes doing uh, uh, doing stuff on Wired and uh, uh, you know other uh, publications, Slate and so forth, uh, it is encouraging to see that some journalists are taking a closer look, but not necessarily ad- advocating the uh, ET hypothesis, uh, but taking a look at you know more from a I don't know a sociological viewpoint. Uh, you know how ufology has shaped uh, our worldview and and how our world is shaped by the ufological view. Certainly, uh, I, I'm thinking uh, of Dr. Paul Kingsbury, for example, from the SCU. Uh, another Canadian. Oh, you gotta love us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jerry, you gotta love us. <laughs> well, he's he's close. He's, he was just what? I don't, how far was Canby? Like 20 miles south of Canada? Yeah, yeah I, I'm Canby not sure. A- but it's, it sounds oh, really, it's about 200 miles. South. Oh, okay, 200. South, okay. So, yeah. I think I could get to Winnipeg in three, four hours. Oh, okay. <laughs> but actually, I want to say this if we right. have room for it. And that is, I have been reading the New York Times all of my adult life. And as it was confirmed in a paper by a couple of journalism professors published in the Journal of UFO Studies, the New York Times has always been hostile to UFOs. And it's only been recently in the last two years or so that it's began publishing stuff that was open-minded and straightforward. And I can't tell you how shocked I was when I saw those articles. By the way, one of the authors of those articles, Leslie Kane, will be joining us on the Paracast in the next few weeks. We'll have more information about that as soon as we firm things up. Jerry, Christine, and Randall, you're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com host. Once again, that's technightowl.com host.
First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Introducing Reveal from GCNLife.com. Beverly Hills dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman invented Reveal, which contains polypeptides with natural botanicals and no parabens, sulfates, silicones, or dyes for a salon-quality hair growth product. Reveal. Here's Dr. Newman. I have treated a lot of patients who lose their hair and they lose their confidence. We've created a unique set of polypeptides, which we call HPT6. The HPT6 contains the polypeptides from six different plants. The scalp infusion treatment should be used on wet or dry scalp. The Reveal hair care system is designed to be used for men and women alike. Get Reveal at GCNLife.com with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So try Reveal today at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Plus a discount up to 25% off for Reveal at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. When you have a pain in the neck, Ugh. a real pain in the neck, back, shoulder, or legs, you now have two convenient choices to get fast relief without taking another pill. Because now, Sunny Bay heating wraps and pillows are available at both Amazon and Walmart. Yes, see Sunny Bay's four and a half to five star customer reviews on Amazon.com or Walmart.com. Our made in the USA microwavable heat wraps, heatable neck pillows, and extra large body wraps are designed designed better for perfect support where and when you need it. Even while driving, Sunny Bay wraps will not burn and stay balanced to provide soothing hot or cold therapy to help treat temporary or chronic pain. And the best part? Sunny Bay quality products started under $20. Join thousands of happy customers and see why Sunny Bay products have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. It's easy. Click Amazon or Walmart and search today for Sunny Bay. This is Micah Hanks of the Grayley Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. I agree with you, Jerry. The time suddenly becoming interested 
and the series of articles beginning, I think, in December of 2017. So what's your perception of that? Well, I know Leslie, and I know um, her co-author, um, Ralph Blumenthal, a little bit. I've talked with him. And I don't know exactly what happened, but they really put them through the ringer when they were reporting on the subject. They wanted to be sure that they, being the editors of the New York Times, wanted to be sure they had everything right. They were really nervous about it. But I don't know if there's a great story beyond that, other than that Kane and, and Blumenthal had a great story. And they couldn't think of a way to rationalize that it wasn't a great story, and they were willing to, to take the flack to publish the story. Well, we've got That's also uh, Christopher Mellon in there now, and he's got some pretty serious credentials. He had a column going. I'm not sure if he still does or not. I mean, when you're talking about the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence, uh, you know, writing columns in the New York Times advocating for UFOs, that's that is pretty serious. You're absolutely right. It, it's a major turnaround. Well, it was also one of its right-wing op-ed writers, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, I, but he did a column on conspiracy theories, and he made the specific point that some things ordinarily dismissed as conspiracy theory are not that. They're much more substantive. And he specifically mentioned the case of UFOs. When I saw that, I was I nearly fell over. I couldn't believe it. But Wow. That's pretty it's an major. Indication of, of uh, some changes, at least in some levels. Of course, you know, according to some people uh, in high places, the New York Times uh, it just publishes fake news. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> well, we don't want to get into that, do we? Or, <laughs> but I mean, again, but it's it's how media is perceived these days, too, right? You know, the American media is actually a little subtly different from the Canadian media. I've had a relatively easy ride from the Canadian media. I think in, in all the years, I've only had, I think, two or three really, really bad articles written about the research I've been doing. In general, they've been very, very kind and in, in many ways sympathetic. But there's no question that the American media has been, in general, very, very uh, scathing and uh, unapologetically uh, ridiculing of ufology in general. In fact, I think one of Alan's classic papers was uh, laugh, laugh, study, study, all about you know how the ridicule curtain has been uh, you know solidly down for so many years, and you know when at the time he wrote the uh, the article, I mean Jerry, you might remember what year it was, but at that time uh, Alan was optimistically saying that uh, the ridicule curtain was lifting ever so slowly. Well, he said something in 1952 that I think is really a cogent observation. He said, "quote unquote." Ridicule is not a part of the scientific method, and the public should not be taught that it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm so amazed that many scientists bring their biases to ufology so quickly. I, I've had physicists, nuclear physicists, not Stan, but, but, but others, who have I've been engaged in debates with, who just make the most absurd statements that were not based on any facts whatsoever. In fact, they would make statements based on things that they had not done any research on. And in any scientific forum uh, in their own profession, 
they would be ostracized and chastised for making such ridiculous statements that were not backed up by factual data or even supporting documentation. But with regard to UFOs, uh, they felt completely at ease ridiculing and uh, citing stuff that was simply not true in any way, shape, or form. And I found many, many scientists like that. Now, the good news is, and you mentioned Paul Kingsbury, he approached me, we had a great interview prior to his publication of his thesis, that, you know, right now there are literally dozens and dozens of PhD and master's theses being published on the topic of UFOs every year because it's such a rich field of study. Uh, that shows that, you know, whether the old old guard scientists are dying off or, or I don't know what's happening, but the fact that ufology is gaining some momentum and credibility within the new scientific community as a worthwhile subject of study, it's actually very heartening and promising because uh, perhaps, you know, we're certainly living in the James Cameron and Steven Spielberg era now where, you know, we can see aliens on our TV and movie screens regularly, visualizing that is making it easier for people to think in terms of what is our place of the universe, and can we actually talk about traveling between the stars in, in any easy and foreseeable way. So maybe, you know, the ridicule curtain is, you know, may remain firmly down, but uh, it's been circumvented by people coming in from the wings. Well, I should have mentioned myself that there's a lot of work being done on the academic level in terms of, you know, PhD theses and publication of books by university presses on UFOs. So there's a real opening on the academic level. Which, Well, I don't know if you've heard, but I, I caused personally an uproar in uh, the academic community when I donated uh, my UFO files to a university uh, archives. And I had a call, uh, this was just, just over the past few months, and I had a call from the university president's office saying, what the hell are you doing, um, drawing attention to our university like this? <laughs> and that's the second time I've had a call like that. But what happened is that it was it became a news item in um, publications that were sent to post-secondary institutions across North America. And the university archivist is has been receiving positive phone calls and emails from researchers throughout North America, and even some from England now, fascinated with the possibility of being able to have uh, academic studies on ufology uh, accessible through archives. And of course, it's not the, not the first UFO collection and files that have been donated. I mean, I mean, Allen's are available, uh, McDonald's uh, certainly, and there's been books written about you know, both of those. And Stan Friedman's files aren't in a university archive, but are in a government archive. So, I mean, the fact that, you know, people are paying attention and these files are being made more readily available uh, suggests that uh, there are going to be academic researchers taking a look, uh, a hard look at some of what's been reported over the past little while, you know, unfortunately post hoc rather than, you know, as things are going on. But I think it's very good to see that, you know, the, the research community is taking a, a harder look at uh, what ufology has to offer. We're going to have to wrap up here. Jerry, you don't have a website. So if they want to find out more about you, what do they do? Well, 
say I could do a web search and read the variety of assessments of my life's work. Read his uh, casebook and his uh, encyclopedias. The UFO Encyclopedia, now in its third edition as of a year ago. If you want to know, get some idea what I've been up to, that's it. <laughs> Quickly, Chris, where can we find more of your work? Certainly, uh, my books are on Amazon, but uh, my survey is at survey.canadianuforeport.com. And I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and all those silly social media things. You can find us on those silly social media things, at least a few of them, on Twitter. It's the Paracast. We haven't done the Instagram thing yet. Maybe later. We're also on Facebook with a couple of Paracast communities, groups, whatever. We have the fourth version of the official Paracast store at theparacast.shop, where we're offering 15% off if you use the keyword UFO lowercase at checkout. We have four different logos, so you have a wide variety of branded merchandise. We also have the Paracast Plus. What's that? It's a way for you to get a copy of the show free of the network ads. And we also offer the After the Paracast podcast, lately featuring special correspondent William Puckett with the very latest UFO sightings. For more information, we have a special domain for that too now. Go to theparacast.plus, P-L-U-S, theparacast.plus for more information about the Paracast Plus. Jerry Clark, thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Well, thanks for having me. Chris, always glad to hear from you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And oh, one last one is that there's a crowdfunding campaign to digitize the UFO files that have been donated to the archives. And it's give.umanitoba.ca slash UFO files. You can help digitize UFO files. The Paracast. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>